Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey and Darren Peter. folks welcome to profiles and eccentricity i am john fahey i am joined by the sweetest newly fresh cut pretty boy mr aaron joseph pretty boy peter oh god you started adding on to my shit dude i mean your shit is my shit i already said you're gorgeous well i gotta add a little i'm also narcissistic motherfucker you motherfucker you fucking motherfucker you fucking kill your kids listen (laughs) thank you john i love you i love another man in the room uh this uh very hardworking, uh, gorgeous fella. I'll tell you something about this guy. He records his other podcasts directly before this, and uh, it's a it's a big workload for the guy. I love him so much. Uh, everybody, share your love for Mr. Matt Brousseau. I can hear them clapping. I can hear them out in the fields. Everybody at home. Yeah, everybody <laughs> listening to the podcast in the fields. <laughs> they have the uh, Studio Sweden wireless headphones. That's oh, right. Fields. Nice. Yeah, yeah. They're comfortable. They're very nice. This is the second episode ever where we have had a guest, friend of the show, avid listener, fine stand-up comic, one of my best friends, a man I absolutely adore. Everybody, this is Mr. Radiston Zahariev. Say hello, Rad. Hi, everybody. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here finally on Drunk History, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a fine stand-up comic. <laughs> Welcome, Rad. I love the fucking son of a bitch. Rad is going to be dropping a profile on us. Uh, in the future, we are uh, looking to have some more guests, like I said before, um, dropping some profiles on us, because I feel like everybody's got a weirdo. Everybody's got a weirdo story to tell. If you are, you know, anybody out there, a listener, a friend of the program, stand up, whatever, please uh, get in contact with us if you want to share a profile. Uh, We always love it. Yeah. I want to kick things off with something that I am really hyped about right now. Friend of the program and uh, also avid listener, Katie Merriam got me a birthday gift (gasps) that was uh, basically to feed me uh, profiles. And it's just fantastic. But the first thing I opened it up to was history of uh new coke uh-huh and this whole this this whole book um the drink yeah yeah new coke uh yeah not new chop <laughs> this whole book was was uh like um was absolutely fantastic but one of the the best things about it was that it it showed something that we are going to uh, do more of in the future which is like eccentric inventions mm-hmm. which new coke kind of is Coke, you know, reigned from uh, the southeast uh, in, you know, from like Atlanta. 1885, Atlanta, and it, it was um, mainly carried through um, to the, the World War II era by a guy named Woodruff, and Woodruff was like adamant about getting Coca-Cola to the front lines of the troops in the Second World War, and it became like emblematic of like what they were fighting for, mm-hmm. you know, and so like America had this very strong attachment to Coke, but then we go into the like Vietnam Watergate era and suddenly it's like everybody doubts everything and I talk about this a lot with cinema like how everybody was like 
Every, Democracy's a sham. It, Coke tastes like shit. Yeah, so it, it, it finally gives, you know, Pepsi came out 13, I think, years after Coke. And, you know, it started eating a major share of, of the soda-like market. And by 1972, they came up with the Pepsi Challenge. So the Pepsi Challenge was they would blindfold people and they'd right. have them take a swig yeah. of one unmarked glass of liquid yes. and another, compare it to the other, and people were choosing were, Pepsi. They were choosing Pepsi. And it was like it was the like the first time they like Coke really got shook, and Coke was already uh, like super entwined with uh, the McDonald's Corporation, and that was like their de facto thing. But now Pepsi was coming out of nowhere, being like, "Hey, you know, maybe the president sucks. Maybe Vietnam was a mistake. Maybe Pepsi's better than Coke." And people were like, <laughs> "Yeah, you know, like, Say. Uh, you know, for real, like that was the thing." And so. This was like so successful. By the time the hundred year anniversary of Coke was coming around, Coke was like, "We really need to do something. These guys are outperforming us. We need to combat it." So they super fucking secretly started coming up with new Coke. I'm talking about need to know basis. People on the board don't know about it. Hmm. Artwork shown to each other. In parking garages under flashlight. Uh, Watergate. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, like going to meet Deep Throat. Exactly. <laughs> Don't tell anybody this, 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 and that. And the guy who take, who's now taken over from Woodruff, Woodruff is on his deathbed. And this guy, he's a, a Cuban-American named Goizeta. Goizeta is like... And they love Coke there. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, the yes, but also no, the, the drink. For, for real, yeah. yeah Libre is the drink. They did. Fidel Castro was an avid Coca-Cola fan. Yeah. And so Goizeta was like, he asked, supposedly, it's kind of debated whether he asked Woodruff on his deathbed, is this okay that I can do it? And supposedly Woodruff was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. But people are like, I don't know about that. Because Woodruff is really the guy that built the whole brand, like I said, got it to the front lines during World War II and all that. And they do this big unveiling in 1985, a huge deal that is like, it shows the legacy of Coke through the American experience. All the famous people drinking Coke throughout the ages, presidents and Santa heroes, <laughs> like all, all this shit. And they unveil new Coke, saying, like, we're back. Here we go. And they're doing away with old Coke. It's new Coke. That's it. And at the press conference, people are like, well, what's up with new Coke? And they're asking, like, these executives are not ready for a press conference. They're like, well, it's... More rounded, but like they're dynamic. (laughs) Like they don't know what to. Like they're fucking idiots, you know. Basically, in focus groups, they chose New Coke over Pepsi and Coca Cola Classic, as we now know it, all the time. But also in focus groups, there was like ten to fifty percent of people that were very hostile to changing Coke. But that data didn't come out in the wash. They were doing other surveys and stuff like that. Overwhelmingly, everybody favors New Coke everybody's down with it, right? So they unveil it. Then they do the thing with uh, with Cosby, right? Yes. Cosby Cosby was, was also a huge spokesman for Coke, mm-hmm. and he was saying that he preferred Coke because Pepsi was too sweet. New Coke was sweeter than both of them, which we now know from like all the food science data that's come out. Anytime you add sugar, sales go up. <laughs> all, all the cereals. Mm-hmm. They just like, well, we put more sugar. Oh, sales went up. Like it's a fucking addiction. Mm-hmm. So that's why it was going on. But also, a lot of these tests were based on a sip. 
not a full fucking can uh, right. of piss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like sweet, sweet coke. Right. You were just having like a bit and be like, oh, this is better. It's because you had like a tiny taste. But by the time you chug a full fucking can, you're like, what the fuck? You're going into a diabetic coma, yeah. But Same also, they, right. <laughs> and a little bit is nice. <laughs> a little dab will A do whole bladder will fuck you up. <laughs> But so they do the whole rollout, right? And it starts, of course, in all the major metropolitan areas. But then it filters down to the south, Mm-mm. where Coke started. The southeast, where Rad is our guest, has spent a lot of time. We don't like your newfangled Coke, we don't buddy. Like all this Yankee. They really viewed it through a Civil War prism yeah. of, well, now you're changing our Coke. What the what's fuck? next? You're gonna give them the right to vote? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I get it. First, you know, you're like, first you take our black people, now you take our favorite drink. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> what's next? <laughs> so. They are like, fuck no, right? And now back in the day, it wasn't like it is now where Coca-Cola controls every bit of the operation. You had bottlers, right? Mm-hmm. So bottlers are like this, like, you know, you know, secondhand person. These bottlers in the Southeast, people won't talk to them <laughs> and stuff. I like they get like intimidation, like and Coca-Cola starts getting threatening ass phone calls. Like they're like, we saw a blowback. You can't imagine, like we were, because they were attacking what a lot of people consider the American dream. Because mm-hmm. America doesn't have a long history, so we weirdly take all of the stuff that like Europeans have with like old gods and folk heroes and stuff like that, and we put them on products mm-hmm. and celebrities and shit. And they carry welcome. more weight, right? Mm-hmm. What's that? Said you're welcome, <laughs> right? And so like it's like, you know, you're taking away the frontline Coca Cola and putting this new shit on it, right? And it was like. The fucking hippie that hated Vietnam and the dad that was super pro-Vietnam could all agree that new Coke sucks. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that was really the deal. Like, Mm -hmm. it was like, everybody was like, fuck this. We don't want some things to change and we do need some continuity and we all need some things that we can gather around as a country. Right. And it could be even something as stupid as Coca fucking Cola. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this shit, a month in... Executives are like, we fucked up so bad. <laughs> They're like, because it wasn't even so much that we dropped New Coke and said this is the way we go. We also erased Coca-Cola Classic, which is nuts. I can't, I can't believe that they did that. Right? Yeah, they they were like, no, that's it. And like, so there's been conspiracy theories since that it was like, okay, this was a whole thing where eventually. Of course, we go back to Coca-Cola Classic, but they were saying, oh, it was because they wanted to change from cane sugar to high fructose corn syrup. Not true. They started putting high fructose corn syrup as early as 1980 Mm -hmm. and replacing the cane sugar and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that. It was really that they didn't want to share the market with Pepsi Mm -hmm. and Pepsi was outperforming them and it was sweeter and blah, blah, blah. It's a taste of a new generation. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Would you believe... That that motherfucker Cosby said he didn't like New Coke because it was damaging his reputation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's like, like, you like <laughs> he's like uh, the pill. The pill doesn't sink. Right. In the new Coke. It doesn't dissolve the. Yeah, it's the, all the lewds as well as yeah, the original. Not Coke. for me. It's dancing around the top of the can, they can see it right there. <laughs> it's so. St- could you believe, like, I mean, the, the fucking power this man had at the time? Yeah. Bill Cosby, the face of Coke, I never knew that. Yeah. Before doing research on this, I never knew Bill Cosby was the Coke guy. Oh, really? I remember seeing the commercial. Well, I just grew up with Jell-O. I, yeah. knew, I knew that, of yeah. course. But, but, um, but yeah, 1985, you know, Bill Cosby was voted America's favorite dad. Yeah, that's crazy. You know? Which was, 
you know, huge yeah, for black in, in yeah. you know, black-white relations in the country. Mm-hmm. But so, Goizetta, like I said, is fucking Cuban-American, and he's, people are like, well, if, uh, if this is successful, are you going to change Diet Coke also to the new to formula? New, mm-hmm. And he goes, no, this is a success. And no, we won't be changing Diet Coke. Like, he's he's doubling down, like, no, old Coke is out. Fuck you. Whatever. Now, another thing that's happening at the same time, which is way more low-key, is that they're also unveiling Cherry Coke at the same time. And that is super popular. Yeah. Right, that became like another like main flagship of the brand. Right, that was like totally overlooked during this whole time. And Goizeta's dad fled Castro, Cuba, and his dad says to him, "I think you made a mistake here. I like the old Coke better." And he says, "It's the only time my father agreed with Fidel Castro." (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that fucking amazing? Yeah. So he's like, oh, shit. By the time July rolls around, they're done with it. It's off the show. A guy in Seattle has, that's trying to set up like a public relations firm, he sets up a thing called the uh, Old Coke Drinkers of America. <laughs> right? People are stockpiling the old formula anywhere they can get it. People internationally are telling them, we're not interested in new Coke. We don't want it. And then some of the executives, it came out way, way later, they went to Monaco where they go. Right. And people were, were like, we have a six and a half ounce bottle of original Coca-Cola, if you guys want that. And they were like, oh, fuck. Because it became this like super sought after thing, you know? So they are like, okay, fuck. They interrupted TV programs. Peter Jennings interrupted TV programs to announce that Coca-Cola Classic would come back on the market. Jesus. The hostages in Iran. Or... <laughs> yeah. This just in. Yeah. <laughs> Old Coca's back. Seriously. And so they call it Coca-Cola Classic. Pepsi, by the way, when they rolled out new Coke and it was a disaster, they declared VC Day. <laughs> Victory over Coke Day. Oh, my God. They said Coke has admitted that they are not the real thing. What like at what well, point that was, was their this slogan if, for a minute? Yes, yes, they were like they turned their own. They slogan said we them. won the cola wars. Like we, the, we're the fucking victors. Mm-hmm. G- guess what? What's up? Yeah. When is this happening? Like eighty five. Yeah, Pepsi three, was in Back to the Future. Red three months in eighty five. People fucking lost their shit over the, this. This entire thing happened within three the span months. Of three months, and then it's done. Yeah, they wow. so so they eventually. So Coke, it was just Coke on the bottle, right? Mm-hmm. And then they throw out the script thing with Coca-Cola Classic, like you see it now. They write Classic underneath so that consumers could know, right. here's the old formula. We got it back. If you still want new Coke, it's available. It looks like this. So then they're like, all right, that's still too distracting. and still too fucked up. So they rename Coke, new Coke, Coke 2, which I remember. I don't get remember it. that. It was Coke two Roman numerals. Cool. Kind of, you know, whatever. And I remember seeing, like, at the delis and shit when I was, like, growing up in Long Island or whatever, and I was like, I don't know the fucking difference. What the fuck? Coke. Yeah, cool. I did. I had no idea. Yeah. It was a little bit before my... I was born in 83, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, I don't know, whatever. Also, the whole time, a ton of people still prefer new Coke. And some of the executives were saying, I knew people at the country club that would be like... Honestly, I like new Coke. Yeah, I'm not going to tell those Coke guys that though. Like, right. you know what I mean? They were st- they were like, and it, it it really was a cultural divide where people in Los Angeles, where we are, 
they still loved fucking New Coke. Mm-hmm. Like all like the all the cities, all those all the other bumpkin areas were like Coca Cola Classic. Fuck you. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, especially in that southeast area, they call all soda Coke. Right. That's true. All sodas yeah. Coke. They do. Yeah, all yeah, yeah, Coke. yeah. All the Coke. What y- kind? Yeah, right. Right, exactly. I remember being in Tennessee and people saying, well, what kind of Cokes do you guys want? And I was like, huh? It's the, the yeah, it's not stepped on? Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid in Vegas, uh, I went to some, like, you know, tourist trap Coca-Cola museum. And uh, they had a thing after they, uh, in the 20s, after they stomped out the Coke cane. From Coke. From Coke. It's a damn shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all you have to do is just... Put some coke in <laughs> Right. Yeah. After it was like a scandal, they had bottles printed, dopeless Coca-Cola. <laughs> to let you know, like, hey, you're not gonna, your fucking husband's going to come home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, that was like the thing. But, uh, yeah, so like, uh, Coke, their, their sales spike after this. And also during New Coke, their sales spiked. Like, New Coke actually did work. Their sales were like up 8% over the previous year. And people really did like it and shit like that. And Goizetta went to his grave drinking new Coke. He was like, fuck you. I wasn't wrong. Like, seriously, yeah. like he was like, this this was better. And every taste test did say it. But of course, it, it is also it's too much of a part of Americana to change. People had no idea the spiritual connection that people had with fucking Coca-Cola. Yeah. They had no idea. I think you're tapping into like the America loves it's history so much because there's so little of it. Yes. So they're so quick to just grab on grab onto anything. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. My dad was telling me a thing one time where he was going, once John Wayne died, there was this big thing in, in the entertainment media saying, who's going to be the next John Wayne? <laughs> who's going to be the next John? Because you have to have one. It must be. Because you would be like, well, we don't fucking have one. No. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. who's going to play Genghis Khan now? <laughs> right, right. But, but, you know, and obviously the next John Wayne ended up being Clint Eastwood. That kind of carried it over or whatever. But like, but pe- like Americans were still like, we can't not have that. Mm-hmm. To the point where they reanimated John Wayne to sell shit in commercials yeah. long after he was dead. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. My grandfather said to me one time, he was, he was talking to me about computers. The Heath ledger them? He was like, he was like, they can do all types of shit now. He's like, I see John Wayne selling <laughs> shit. He's been dead for fucking years. <laughs> but like, yeah, for real, like they're like. You don't want to let go of that shit. It's like why people like Elvis. It's like there's always going to be an obsession. In they people. brought Tupac out at Coachella. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And he would outsell anything. Fucking yeah. Michael Jackson. His dad was like, we're still taking him on the road. We're not going to bury the fucker. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. I saw some some tweet about that. Like, <laughs> I got to give props to, J- to Joe Jackson for being the first dad to successfully beat the black <laughs> office. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so fucked up. But, and and it, he got burned by Pepsi. But it was the thing. It was like this motherfucker, this motherfucker Joe Jackson that we all knew fucking like tortured his children <sighs> was still going out in front of cameras after his most famous. Take mo- this show on the we're, road. We're going around the world. You think I'm done making money off my son? <laughs> Hell no. And the thing is, is that people would still want it. Yeah. Like nobody would be like. I remember 50 Cent one time was basically calling out Puff Daddy being like, let Biggie rest. Mm. Like, oh. stop milking it. That's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Biggie, but it might be Tupac, but one of them has more music released after his death than, like, oh, during. That's, that's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
It's got to be Tupac. That's Pac, yeah. I remember Snoop Dogg saying one time, he's like, I, I definitely think that Tupac knew he was going to die because he's like, I've never seen anybody grind in the studio harder mm-hmm. before his death. Not that I believe that or whatever, <laughs> like, but 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 it is like I can understand why he was able to put out so much shit because there was brand new material. We're not talking about remixes. We're talking about brand new verses. Yeah. Brand new rhymes, like, you know? You just right. grind it, like... That's what happens, Snoop, when you're just not high all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trip, you know, a couple of things. I I wonder if that new Coke formula is still, like, in a vault somewhere. Right. Did they just turn that into Coke Zero, or, you know... There was a whole campaign for with, with Diet Coke was just for the taste of it. Right. Never mind it has zero calories. Some people like Diet Coke better. Yeah, what the fuck is up with that? I don't know. Like, that, I, I think, is is a borderline addictive thing. Cause, yeah, Cause, yeah cause, some people, I need a Coke. You know Diet Coke people. They are Diet Coke. They yeah. are weird about it. Yeah, can I get a Diet Coke? Exactly. This, this, week? this week we heard one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, but I mean, I also, I mean, I know very obese people that are avid Diet Coke drinkers, and they'll also call out... Other obese people for yeah. drinking Diet Coke because they'd be like, This motherfucker comes up, he wants two chili dogs and a Diet Coke. I'm like, Homie, that's not gonna help. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, All right, fair enough, oh, yeah. fair enough, you know. But but Diet Coke is like, it's, it's, you know, when you drink it, you're like, This is fucking, it's a weird chemical thing. It is. But fucking Trump champs Diet Coke like a motherfucker yeah, and he is too. obese. <laughs> yeah. He's 70, leave him alone. But no, <laughs> but right. But it is it is. What Diet, has Trump done to you guys? Come on. Diet Coke is a weird fucking thing. Yeah, it, it's a strange thing. It's super chemi. Yeah, it it doesn't taste like it should be enjoyable. No, it's brown. I mean, well, they're all brown, but right. It's it, got a drip. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, does it have like aspartame it? in it or some shit? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think. Well, it's they probably changed it recently. They've changed it as, as time has gone by. But they've also. This is part of the thing with the with the with the new Coke debacle. Is they're saying if they fucking just didn't announce it and just slowly did, like nobody would have fucking known. Everybody would have got used to it if it was incremental because Coke previously had made incremental changes. To introduce things like the high fructose corn syrup, mm-hmm. and also to um, make the formula vegetarian, mm-hmm. to make it kosher, mm-hmm. to make it halal, mm-hmm. to make it accommodate all of these other things. Mm-hmm. So that happened slowly over time, all before New Coke. Wow. So you were never really getting the original. It's not yeah. like it's fucking coming out of this fucking Tennessee fucking safe or some shit. And like, right. you know what I mean? Like, it's still it's still a totally yeah. Different they didn't thing. have uh, you know FD and C. Caramel coloring number six back in 1860. Right. It's still just about the idea. Yeah. It's it's really just about the idea. Yeah. But um, it's fucking mind-blowing to me. And people later on also conspiracy theory. There's like several conspiracy theories well, about yeah. this fucking thing. Another one is that people were saying, oh, well, they still had cocaine in it at the time. They're like, no, they got rid of that in the 20s. No, that's true. That's true. But there is still a company that is the, the only importer of coca from South America right. and they extract the cocaine out of it and I think they use it for like pharmaceuticals and shit but the processed material is then used by Coca-Cola interesting they still have that aspect of it in there is there any new coke still around like if you were a collector or something could you get some well you know once it once it became coke too it eventually dwindled to like something like 3% of the market share like nobody gave a shit it was just all about branding and the thing was is that they give in and they unveil the fucking thing the first case of Coca-Cola Classic they send to the guy with the public relations firm Old Coke Drinkers of America mm. they send it right to him and uh they just totally capitulate 
And then they continue to completely dominate the market from thereafter. Um, they totally dominated it. And people were like, okay, another conspiracy theory. This was a whole thing to dominate. Take it away, give mm-hmm. it back. And uh, one of the executives said, we are both not that stupid and not that smart. <laughs> right. It was really just a happy accident. And it was, it's still like a marketing lesson to this day mm. about fucking with, with uh, brand shit and people's identification with it mm-hmm. and it's it's taught like in every business branding school yeah. like the whole fucking thing like just create a new one that's what they do now it's like alright we're gonna make caffeine free coke caffeine free mm-hmm. diet coke coke natural coke light all these other ones but don't change your flagship it's, yeah and when it's basically the it's like Christianity unveiling a new cross yeah <laughs> and they're saying like through this whole thing again uh, another like what really kind of like brought them up was the cherry coke thing mm-hmm. That's actually what kind of saved the brand during this whole other debacle is that people were like, hey, this is maybe this fucking cherry Coke. It's fucking dope. Mm-hmm. They don't have it in Canada. So anytime someone goes to the U.S. and like has to bring shit back, they're like, yo, get some cherry Coke. Really? Here. They don't have it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, it's like in Canada, they're chips. They have uh, like all dress. They have all these different types oh, yeah. of ketchup, ketchup flavors chips. that for some reason Ameri- they've never brought to America. Yeah. Ketchup. Yeah. My friend yeah. sends me... Uh, box full of just ketchup chips every Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. Don't make that face. It's delicious. <laughs> ketchup it's chips? I mean, it realistic, it tastes like, what is it? Uh, the sour one. The dill. Like, no, vinegar and salt. Salt, salt yeah. vinegar, and then, like, uh, some other one. It's yeah, but I've also seen ketchup chips, like, in, in, like, the hood convenience store. Here? In the southeast. Oh, that's probably or something. you can go to like some like the like the Asian family marts and they'll have some of the more obscure flavors. Right, right. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hipster snacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, squid Pringles. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. I'm so obsessed with this story since I like I'm I mean, I guess a lot of people know about it. I didn't know how fucking crazy the whole thing was and, and how secretive they were about unveiling it. Like and that, that that they also overlooked all of that market research about the 10 to 15% in the taste test that are like, what are you going to fuck with Coke? Are you out of your... Like, they were pissed. And they would also influence other people in the taste test mm. to be like, no. You don't like that. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It was it was like a like an emotional reaction uh, that was completely overlooked. It's crazy how effective and how swift the response and their response was without no internet, no Twitter, no message boards, nothing... Yeah. But within the course of 90 days, yeah. it had this rise and fall. I mean, right. well, phone, they, phone calls and letters? And they had they and had shit? a hotline, and it used to get, I mean, like, when it was just regular Coke, it would, yeah. have, it would still have, like, 30,000 calls or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Who the fuck was calling when it was just the same? I just want to say, keep up the good work. Yeah, like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? By the time they unveil new Coke, it suddenly is, like, 180,000 calls and people freaking out. Like, operators were like... They had a fucking shrink listen in. And they said people <laughs> no way. people shared traits with somebody that had lost a loved one. Oh my That God. was the tenor of their diatribes against the operator. It's like you think about like I mean like the whole thing that led to Trump is like white Americans feeling like shit is slipping away. It was like that whole same thing mm-hmm. of like, now you're gonna change this. Mm-hmm. You know? And people fucking lost it. Wow. But it was also, it was just so easy to get everybody on board with, why does it have to change? Right. We all grew up drinking it. We all love it. Why does it have to change? Right. But it did end up with them completely dominating from ever after. Yeah. Do you think that could happen today? Like, it'd be a lot harder to get Specifically Coke? No, just any, like, a beloved American brand, and they switch it up somehow. I don't think 
at this point, like you would get that kind of reaction from people. Like, right. It'd be a reaction, but I don't think it'd be like that. Anymore. Well, I think I think they've gone the other way. Where so everybody was getting more health conscious, and McDonald's started slipping, and they were like, "What do we do? Give them more of what they already love. Make breakfast twenty four hours, right?" And that was how they expanded. That was how McDonald's grew. Mm-hmm. It was like we're going to give you more of what you already love. You hate the ten thirty thing. You can have breakfast all fucking day. Yeah. And that was how they grew. It was like the exact opposite lesson of the new Coke thing. Right, right. And, and Coke did a, I mean, I'm sorry, McDonald's did something too where they, they used to do their fries in, in beef tallow and they switched it to like vegetable Well, I don't even think, think they told anybody. Yeah. But that was another thing to like make it vegetarian and stuff. And I think they also put sugar in it. Right. Yeah, but a lot of it is just incremental. Don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Well, back in the 80s, you thought naming anything new was going to be like, okay, here we fucking go. Yeah. Anyway, I have fucked around with this way too long. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we uh, love Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's. I mean, to me, it's just a crazy, fascinating story. Yeah, it's um, weird. And the whole Cosby thing's so <laughs> God, it's so stupid. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Like, they're tarnishing his reputation? <laughs> hey, I got a reputation hey. to keep here, people. All right, but like, but you part- say fucking idiot, but at the time that... You would have said that, like, at the time he had a reputation. At the time, like, until very recently, everyone was like, Cosby's, like, an all-time great. Right. But if I'm Bill Cosby and I'm multiple, multiple, multiple raping people, I'm like, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be like, ah, get the fuck out of here with your sugary Coke. Uh, you don't become Bill Cosby by, th- by thinking yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. But also part of his campaign against Pepsi as the spokesperson was saying that Pepsi was too sweet and then they come out with a sweeter thing than both mm-hmm. and so he was like alright well that undermined me Yeah, that was like part of his fucking thing anyway Rad you have a profile to tell us I do and I'm very very excited I'm excited to hear it and also I wanna I'm also excited to be on this episode because uh, I've been listening since the first episode and I actually sent you the Wikipedia page for who I'm gonna do and yeah. you said you should do them yeah. and I was very flattered because I'm like the first person to do a profile, yeah. I think. You're a super fan. I'd say so. <laughs> and then, uh, what was it, like earlier this week or last week, you messaged me and you go, so uh, it's uh, this Saturday, you going to fuck it up or what? <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I probably will, but it's your fault. Because right. if it was up to PETA, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> if it was up to me, I'd be alone in a room. <laughs> exactly. But... I want to tell you guys about Lee Murray, and I know what you're thinking. We already know about Lee Murray, the data analyst from San Francisco. That's not who I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm talking about Lee Murray. He was born in London in 1977, and he is, if we go through his resume, a drug dealer and famous gangster in London, an MMA fighter, and he also bank robber. Ooh. Which uh, he still holds the record for the largest amount stolen ever. Hell it, yeah! In the world? Yes. Holy shit. No shit. Yes. It's uh, somewhere around $90 million. Oh my god. But yeah, Lee Murray, also straight up Guy Ritchie character. Like if you just insert him into any Guy Ritchie movie, he'd fit right in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was... Well, you gotta start with his... Uh, his mother was... Um, she was from Barbara Murray was from London and she was she lived in like the shitty area of London she lived mm-hmm. uh, in a place called Shooter's Hill and it was called that because of all the highway robberies that would go around there cool but she wasn't related to any sort of crime she worked as a hairdresser and then as a like a telephone operator mm-hmm. and she went on vacation to the Canary Islands where she met Brahim Lamrani who was 
a Moroccan kitchen hand because back then they didn't have cooks. They just had kitchen hands. <laughs> uh, and they hit it off. And so Brahim kind of knocked her up and then she went back home. I think he totally knocked her up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he totally shot her club up, I believe was the term. <laughs> but she went home, she gave birth, and then like they kind of kept in contact. But Lee Murray's dad was never around until he was about seven. So he was born in 19... 19- 77 but the dad just kept working in the canary islands and he would just pop in i believe he until was seven lee murray saw his dad like three times total Mm. and then his dad came to london and moved in and the you know they got married they had another kid and then almost from the start there started being like issues because brahim was very much like a like a domineering dude that wanted respect, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. But he was also kind of a piece of shit. Right. Like, he was also... Mm-hmm. Right, but, like, I mean, he was definitely, like, he had the cops called for, like, domestic abuse and that kind of thing. Yeah. But he wasn't, like, beating his wife or anything. He just came from, like, that... I'm well, the boss. I'm the boss. I'm the kitchen res- hand in yeah. this kitchen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I deserve the respect, and if you don't give it to me, then, like... You're going to catch these kitchen hands. Exactly. <laughs> you... <laughs> And that's what would happen. Right. And Lee would catch these kitchen hands a lot. <laughs> oh, God. And so, you know, he grow up with that. And they're just, even since seven, there's just like issues with the dad. But they right. also live in this rough area, which uh, they moved away from Shooter's Hill. So now they live in um, in another place, which is called Butt Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> right? I can't, I Jesus couldn't Christ. wait to fucking say this. <sighs> oh, my God. Because growing up, all the kids from that area uh, would form a gang and like they would kind of you know beef with other gangs from other areas and they were called the butt marsh boys oh my wow. god and they were known as the toughest gang which do you like know that. how fucking tough you have to be mm-hmm. to like instill fear in people yeah by being called the butt marsh boys right mm-hmm. yeah like you say the butt marsh boys are coming and there's oh, like no. exactly right you know Lee was he kind of established the pecking order he was the leader because even growing up he was um he had like this crazy style of fighting before like as a child he would just start swinging his hands and like make these crazy facial expressions and they would call him alien and he would hate that but eventually you know he became the leader of this gang and they would beef with other gangs and uh in interviews, it's funny because, like, it's clearly, like, these are clearly hoodlums. But when he would talk about it, he'd be like, ah, you know, we're just regular kids playing like regular kids do. We, were, we weren't bad kids. And then he'd go on to speak further and then be like, yeah, I remember that one time where us and, like, these other gangs fought and, like, right. we would just fuck each other up. Like, we'll go home with, like, broken limbs or, like, Jeez. noses and shit. It's just kids playing. You know how it is. <laughs> Uh, and during this time, you know, he's out on in these streets beefing, and then he goes home, and then, you know, Moroccan dad is like, respect me. He's like, yeah, well, you weren't here till I was set. Fuck you. Right, I'm and alien. so, exactly. <laughs> it will get worse and worse, and the first, like, Lee Murray grew up, and it got to the point where, and this is, when I say grew up, this he's still, like, barely a teenager right. at this point. But... This is a, a neighbor that says this, that the one time he saw Brahim actually hit his son and Lee turned around 
and fucking just gave him the old right there, Fred, and knocked him out cold. Jesus. He knocked his dad out. He knocked his dad out cold. But he's still... So awesome. <laughs> right, but this is what a kid. It's a hero. This, yeah. <laughs> Especially because he's, he's still like 13, 14. Right. And that's when he kind of got like real... Like before that, he was kind of a hoodlum, but like... Anyone would probably be on that shit if you live in that kind of area. Right. At this point, he's like, oh, I can actually drop grown men. Mm -hmm. And he starts getting more and more. Like, he becomes, starts becoming a thug. Mm -hmm. And you would think he knocked out his dad. Maybe now there's going to be some mutual respect going on. No. (laughs) No, 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 no. What happened was it only got worse and worse to the point where Brahim was like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving your mom and your sister because I'm going to fucking kill you. Oh, my God. Like, it's going to get to that point. He's like, I got to go because someone's going to die. And so he, it also it kind of also sounds like he just wanted an out in yeah. this right. way. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so at this point, you know, Lee Murray's uh, getting more and more into gang violence and that kind of thing. And he eventually gets sent into a juvenile hall. Mm-hmm. And that's because he was uh, he was caught with some sort of some sort of drug thing, mm-hmm. right? Like he's starting. He was messing around with these. Um, he'd say they'd go to the train station and they'd hang around these like Nigerian drug dealers that were there. And then what would happen is eventually that turned into like they would work together, and then it turned into a turf war, hmm. where like the Butt Marsh boys <laughs> beat the Nigerian boys. Yeah. Uh, but he got sent into a, a juvenile detention center where upon coming out, he's ready to go to high school and everything. And then now at this point, he's like, fuck it. Like now he's for real thugging. Mm-hmm. And he starts, you know, selling drugs. He starts like, fuck the butt marsh boys. Now we're like in a real gang. And he's starting to like establish himself as a well-known drug dealer. And starts to make money from that. And he was never really that good at school. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, at sports, but not even that good at that. So he kind of just fucked off with that. And so at that point, you know, he starts getting just like minor arrests and picked up. Like fighting here, you know, like drug possession there, that kind of thing. Knocking out dads here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at that point, yeah. Sell a little coke, knock yeah, out a dad. Started a side business, like your dad's giving you trouble. Just call me, you know, that kind of thing. Man, Is what? your dad being an <laughs> asshole? <laughs> call me, Lee Murray. <laughs> I'll show him he's kitchen hands. <laughs> t- Once you knock out your dad, dude, there's no stopping you. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. That's, that is... That's folk hero status. Yeah. Oh, there was this kid. He was kind of the butt marsh boys. He saw him knock his dad out cold. That's yeah. yeah that's the dad probably had to say face where he's like, "I'm gonna kill him if I don't go." But it was like, <laughs> he no, I just away crying. I just gotta go because because he's gonna kill I me. Gotta, yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's exactly. thirteen. Right. Yeah. Wait till the testosterone. You know hits. that guy that looms large in your life. It turns <laughs> out you can just knock the fucking son of a bitch out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he got convicted. And when he came out, he just got right back into it. And then he got he got another cocaine and marijuana conviction. Okay. And then when he came out, uh, he became boys with this dude named Paul Allen. Mm-hmm. And Paul Allen, I guess, was like another well-known face in the crime. Right. The London gangster scene is very 
extensive and and, and yeah and yeah. like i was telling you uh when i was like reading news articles and shit there's a bunch of names that like the english papers will name just like that you're supposed to know. They're like, and you know, like Paul Allen was with them. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. with them. It's like, right. who? Well, a big, usual a, suspects a, type a shit. very big part of the uh, British tabloid scene is is very extensive criminal research where they dive deep into finding out all these guys that are at large mm. and super fucking criminals. And that also extended even to Ireland when I lived there. They would be like, all these guys that used to work with this famous guy that got killed. This is what all of his underlings are now doing and they would have to black out their faces and but they would they would write all these articles and they get sued a lot but they'd be like this is what this motherfucker is doing right now mm-hmm. and they really do have their finger on the pulse they they have a very extensive criminal scene over there where there's a lot of very brilliant people especially in robbery and uh like the the Cray brothers and shit like that the, were like celebrated folk heroes like mm-hmm. you know in London and shit like that a lot of people are like yeah fucking go get them well, I don't care you know what I mean like it's like the mafia in America you know, they right. very much have that in the yeah. UK. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's a lot of those guys. Uh, he, another guy, Mark Epstein, mm-hmm. who also was an MMA fighter. He was also known and for like enforcer for yeah. Lee Murray, and he started just being kind of a local drug dealer and a bully. But yeah. when you ask him, he says, "I wasn't a bully because he goes, a bully is somebody that picks on." people weaker than him I would just fight everybody I don't care <laughs> like that was his reasoning as to why he's not a bully yeah. equal opportunity thug yeah. yeah and again at this point he's a kid he's, like he's still like 16 17 and so you know he's like going around harassing st- store owners selling drugs like he has a turf he's a 16 year old with a turf yeah <laughs> right uh, but he gets sent to another uh, juvie and then when he comes out guess what happens he doubles down on the crime shit even more. Mm-hmm. Right. And it gets to the point where, like, now he's spending all his money. Like, he's starting to make very good money from drugs. Him, Paul Allen, Epstein. And they also, he realizes he starts working out mm-hmm. because he's, like, six foot three, kind of a lanky dude. And he realizes he needs to put some muscle on him to look more intimidating. And the more money he makes, he goes, and now they started spending their money on, like, Cars and steroids. Mm. Yeah. And at this point, the London police knows him, and they start, like, they tried... They they the same steroid dealer. (laughs) (laughs) They they tried to, like, have an informant, but that didn't work. Like, nobody would dare snitch. Like, he was... Cops were afraid of him. Like, cops would stop him randomly, and he would talk shit and intimidate him. And then, like, sometimes he would follow cop cars around. Mm which I'm sure at the time they were like, wow, it'd be nice if we had guns or something. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, like cops, there was cops in the station that were known of like, no, I know, like we kind of just turn a blind eye because he's a scary motherfucker. Right. Like we just don't fuck with him. Yeah. And so at that point, you know, he's doing all that stuff and then he um, he starts training. Like he just f- figures out that he's pretty good at punching people. So he kind of starts training. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has his first fight in 1999, and he wins by KO. This is MMA? Yes. And this is in just some low-level MMA league? This is. This is in England. But he wins, and so in the first round by knockout, so they start calling him Lightning Lee Murray. But he's not even like, at this point, he's not even, that's not, 
he just did it because it seemed fun or right. whatever. Like right. he did this at at this point, he wasn't thinking this is a career. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm making too much money, scaring cops and selling drugs yeah. and shit. Yeah. Right. But he he gets married and has a kid the following year, and then I guess he had some sort of he started realizing this is some this is not the life I want. So he writes on the wedding license for a job. He writes professional fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, something respectable. Exactly. Right. And uh, he starts training. He has another fight. And this fight, he wins by submission, which is odd. The reason it's odd is because, especially at the time, there's not a lot of grapplers in England. Like, that wasn't a thing. Like, you know, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys came out here to Southern California. Right, right. It was he, more strikers and yeah, shit. and especially considering he that was his thing, he was like throw hands guy, mm-hmm. and so in an interview he explains why he submitted the guy, and it's um because the day before his fight he went to watch uh he went to watch Prince Nassim box at a bar, uh-huh. he went to watch a boxing match, and he sat down and then there was a guy in front of him, and he told the guy. Also, it's hilarious because, like, listening to this man that is just known as a child for, like, being a drug dealer and a hoodlum, and the way he describes it, he was like, I sat down, and that guy was in front of me, and I very politely asked him to move so I could see the TV, please, and he said, no, that's my seat. I said, that couldn't be your seat, good sir, you know? (laughs) How could this, it was empty, and the guy said, well, I'm not moving, fuck you, and he shoved me, and so I punched him and knocked him out. And then another guy came, and so he knocked him out. <laughs> and then a third guy came, and he says he grabs him in a tie clinch and drops some knees, and the guy's out. Yeah. And then he's like, I, ha- I got to go. <sighs> and then he's at home, and he goes, and when I look at my uh, knee, there's a bunch of blood and a piece of skin from that guy's forehead that I need. <sighs> but he's like... I also can't close my fist. Right. He's got a fight. He's got right. a professional he broke fight. His hand. Oh my god! But he's like, "Fuck that!" I don't. I didn't train all this time. Right. And so he went and fought that guy with the broken hand. And right. He's like, and that's why I had to try and submit him because I couldn't hit with my one hand. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Is that happening? To this guy everywhere. Like Lee, how was uh, how was the cricket match? I got into a fight with three guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, do, yeah, I do invent of. a new way to choke a guy out. <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie though. Good movie. And basically, that's what it was though. That's fucking diabolical. Right, but you know, he still he fought with a broken hand and submitted yeah. the guy, which is crazy. Yeah, and so like he starts you know fighting more and more, and at that point he's like, I kind of want this to be my career, and also this is the nineties. Like late nineties to two, so this is like when UFC's really starting to sure. pick up, and so he keeps training. Eventually, he uh, goes to America to train for a couple fights, and he trains with um, this guy Pat Militich, who was also he's like a well-known co- he tr- uh, coach. So he trained with like Matt Hughes, mm-hmm. like Robbie Law, a bunch of guys that were like champions and like big names in MMA, and um, even there they were like, yeah, he was a good dude but like real intense right yeah (laughs) just not the guy that you really you know you want to fuck with but like also you got to keep in mind those guys are all animals too 
right. animals calling other animals real animals. Yeah, like yeah. Robbie Lawler is still known as like he blocks shot, like he just eats every like they're all like that. Just they enjoy getting hit. It almost seems like yeah. you know, like they're actual like warriors. Mm-hmm. So he fits right in. But actually, let me backtrack because before that, it's um he started training at two gyms. He trained wrestling at one gym and then he trained boxing and stuff at another gym. And this is in the States? No, or? this is in England. Okay. I just I'm just gonna back up because I he trained with these guys, no not the as the Bauer brothers. And at the time when he was training, they also described him as like these are very nice, respectful young men. They're also gangsters. Right. <laughs> at the time that they're training, they were planning um a robbery of like some sort of like money depot or whatever it, the fuck it's called like I think they're called banks no 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 it's not a <laughs> bank it's like it was like a warehouse right for yeah, an yeah, airport yeah. Like, okay but right. they keep like a bunch of money and other shit there they were right. gonna steal like a million pounds or something and they were planning to like pretend like dress up as as cops mm-hmm. and basically or security guards and kind of go in and you know he wasn't involved but it's funny because later, as you'll see, when he was involved in one of the biggest heists ever, it's very similar how it was planned right. to this. Yeah. Right? And again, I looked up the bout, and like, they're also like a lesser, a lesser level gangsters than him, mm-hmm. or maybe just I didn't read the right shit, but like, I just didn't see so many, like, and then he got stopped. And he got picked up for drugs again, or then he got picked up because somebody sideswiped him and he almost beat the guy to death in a road rage incident. Like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. It's just consistent through his life. Mm-hmm. Right. Lee Murray has constantly shit yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's also, like, not a... He's a good fighter. Like, he's right. actually very talented at fighting. And so he has a couple fights, kind of brings up, a like, a de- decent record. Mm. And that's when he starts training over at... Uh, in the US and he even he has a fight in the UFC and he beats this dude named Jorge Rivera and he submits him too which is again crazy because Jorge Rivera is a black belt Mm -hmm. in Jiu Jitsu Mm. this dude's mostly a striker but that's his big win yeah. His and, big uh, win is submitting the submission expert. Well also that's like his coming out party almost right? Because he's kind of unknown and is that now like UFC official kind of this is yeah this was in Uf, uh, UFC fight right. like this is really his only UFC fight okay because remember when I said he beat the shit out of a guy that sideswiped him mm-hmm. so like now he's got visa issues ah uh-huh. aha and so he can't fight but between all that there's also like he kind of gets popular because there's a UFC in London and Later, he's in a club, and in the club are Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, a bunch like Boss Rutten, mm-hmm. a bunch of those guys, and there's a brawl. And so the story goes that he knocked out Tito Ortiz, who at the time Tito's like the light heavyweight champion. Yeah, Huntington Beach bad boy. A right. lot of these early guys were dudes not on Lee Murray's level, but a lot of them, like Tank Abbott, Tito Ortiz, Boss Rutten, they were all like just badass dudes who worked their way into MMA and into the UFC. Right. Like, Tito would just go around beating the fuck out of dudes in, in the South Bay and Huntington Beach. Boss Rutten was like a bouncer who yeah. became an, an expert. Tank Abbott was just a fucking drunk. Yeah. He, he was bench press yeah. 400 pounds. Definition bar brawler. Yeah, bar right. brawler and, and iron chin. Yeah. Um, 
and that, I those would, are the, I would those not are... want to be in a bar in Huntington Beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still don't. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's. Uh, th- but then those guys were like the proto, you know, Mount Rushmore of of the beginning days of the UFC. Yeah, very much. Right. So but he knocks out Tito. Well, out. that's what allegedly. That's how the story bar. goes. So this is actually before his UFC fight because uh, UFC the this like a London UFC which was like a little bit before like he fought in UFC forty three. This was in thirty eight. Just to give you an idea. So like, but they still know him. Because he's like in England, he's a known fighter. Right. But he's the guy that knocked his dad out. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that his him? big win at fourteen. <laughs> Honestly, I think I mean don't underestimate mm-hmm. the power of that. That is mm-hmm. like so symbolic and archetypal of oh, yeah. the guy who knocked his dad out at thirteen is yeah. like such an anti-establishment, anti-authoritarian, fuck you, oh yeah, little guy against the big guy, David Goliath thing. Like I would, if I knew somebody that knocked their dad out, I would never forget that. Sure. I yeah. think at 13, if I just caught my dad flush on the chin, <laughs> it, it, nothing would have happened. Yeah, it would have yeah, broke yeah, my yeah, hand yeah, exactly. and have to submit him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But if he went down, you'd be like, I guess I'm God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mom, get over here. You're mine. Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> but yeah, um, and this is like people so ask Tito about this because, you know, of course Tito goes, no, that never happened. But... Sure. Just doesn't remember. He Pat Militich said it happened. I think Boss Rutten was there. No shit. On the other hand, Chuck Liddell says he never saw Tito go down. Mm-hmm. And, like, Chuck Liddell does not like Tito Ortiz at right. all. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I tend to believe that may, like something, like, Tito caught these hands for sure. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Also, Tito goes, it never happened. But then at some point he goes, well, I had dress shoes on what do you want from me right right right, right got it right right so maybe he never went down a la chuck liddell's first-hand witness testimony. or chuck didn't know chuck was also blowed out i'm sure like yeah, right something happened and it wasn't good for tito right. and it made homeboy look good yeah right and even after that he gets his ufc win so he right. looks even better yeah and then he can't fight anymore in the because he knocked out the guy that sideswiped him right so like he can't get a visa right yeah so what he has to do is fight in a promotion, like a local promotion called Cage Rage, which uh, before he can get his fight there, he goes to some party, mm-hmm. to some supermodel or so, like whatever the reality chick version of like famous hot girls on TV was back then. Some girl right. named Lauren Pope, who was like a tabloid right. hot girl Yeah, back the name then. sounds familiar. Yeah, he goes to a party there, gets in a fight. Huh. Huh. It doesn't add up. I know. But he does get in a fight. And he gets... Was his dad there? <laughs> well, no, because then his dad would have left, so yeah. nobody gets killed. Uh, but he got stabbed. He got stabbed. He got stabbed, and he was in critical condition. Like, almost... He's almost going to die, right? Dude, you know you know what kind of guys have knives at a party? Kitchen hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, um... Even, like, the doctor, like, he went apparently to thank the doctor afterwards. And the doctor's like, don't thank me. Thank all these nurses because they had to carry, like, gallons of blood Ugh. with the amount they had lost. Jesus Christ. So, you know. It was a close call. Fight game takes a bit of a hiatus. Right. But then he gets back to, uh, he goes back, he goes to cage rage. Right. And that's, and he has his last fight for the title against a guy named Anderson Silva. Ooh. Oh. And this is Anderson. 
Young Anderson. Yeah, this is Anderson before the UFC. Mm-hmm. Like, Anderson has this fight and then a couple more, and then he goes in the UFC run. And so they have this fight, and it's like, depends who you ask. I watched it recently again because there was a lot of like, oh, Lee Murray had his ticket, but like he lost, he couldn't make it to the end. Mm-hmm. Like, Lee Murray definitely lost. He didn't get his ass kicked, but like, it was a definite, like, you lost by points. Mm-hmm. But it was like, considering you're fighting Anderson Silva. Sure. You know, and you just got stabbed. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, that was this is like a few years after. Okay, right. But maybe you mean like the memory of being stabbed, dude. I got a paper cut like a year ago. I still <laughs> still not ready for uh, combat. I was, yeah, I still yeah. cite that as a reason. Maybe he had PTSD. <laughs> but yeah, he lost by points to Anderson Silva. But it's still everyone's kind of like cool. Anderson's been dropping motherfuckers, and this is um. Again, this isn't like Anderson at his peak, but he's already a name. Right. And Anderson was only fighting there because he had contract disputes with the UFC. He went to the UFC pretty soon after, I think a couple fights after that. But Lee Murray's like, all right, I got to figure out my comeback fight. But in between that, what puts a stop to that? Because that's his last fight. Because him and a couple of the fellas decide to plan a robbery of like... I don't know if this is a brand, but like the Securitas Depot, which is some sort of like mm-hmm. money warehouse. It's another one of these money mm-hmm. depots yeah, you yeah, keep yeah. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, a I, British think, thing. I think this is like along the lines of the Lufthansa yeah, thing, like right. where it's like there's just going to be a shitload of cash in this mm-hmm. place. Right. And uh, it's a, a transferable situation. Like, right. Like, like robbing an armored car or something like that. You right. don't rob it. You don't rob Fort Knox. You rob the trucks leaving and going to Fort Knox. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Right. So, this is like a, it's called Securitas Depot. It's, okay. I guess, where they keep money. Yeah. They don't only keep money in banks, guys. Let's right, be real. Right. No, 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 that's fair. I don't know how British fucking. <laughs> I got to open a business called work. Money Depot. <laughs> There's <laughs> money here. But we're not a bank. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it. You can keep your money here, but don't come here waving your card around thinking right, this right. means something. You can't get it. She's got a yeah. garage door and you click it. <laughs> So they plan this robbery, and uh, they, it, it takes a minute. Like, they stake the place out and everything, and eventually they find out who, like, there's, like, a manager that works in this place, and they follow and they figure out a schedule, and they get dressed up as cops, which sounds familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. And they pull the guy over. Like, he thinks it's just, like, a undercover cop car. And they come out, you know, with, like, the reflective vests and the no guns, so he knows it's legit. <laughs> 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 Fucking pussy-ass yeah. cops. And they were like, uh, you were speeding. Come on out and just kind of, like, come sit in the back of the car. And then when he sits in the back of the car, they just drive the fuck off with this guy. They kidnap him. And they, you know, pull out guns. And they hey, tell him, you guys aren't cops. Exactly. Wait a minute. You guys got guns. <laughs> you guys aren't bobbies. <laughs> These, this isn't very bobby-like at all. <laughs> yeah. So they, they kidnap this dude, and they basically let him know, like, you're going to help us get into this bank. This money depot. Money depot. The secured-ass money depot. So he <laughs> The secured-ass money yeah. depot. <laughs> I don't... I don't know how to pronounce it without saying secured ass. No, no, no I guess it's, it's it. securitas. Or yeah, whatever, right, right. No, it's secured ass money. Yeah, yeah. that was their logo. Tight ass slogan. cash warehouse, <laughs> homie. <laughs> secured ass fuck. But they go in. They use this guy to um to kind of get them past like the the security and right. the alarms and shit. Like yeah. one guy, and then they let in. And it's there's like it's on camera. 
you know, they got like the masks, dressed as cops still, lets the other people in. They kind of, you know, gather everybody. Regular robbery stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about. Right. right. Like, Round up the, the employees. Get on the ground. This is a money depot robbery. <laughs> Tell me where the money is. Yeah. They start piling money into this truck. Like yeah. they need to use like forklifts and the fucking what's it called like the ro- the steel cages like the rolling steel mm-hmm. cages yeah like they have them in casinos when they uh, roll like that kind of shit oh wow okay yeah and so they come out with like 57 million pounds like they, they had like huge box trucks I guess to k- get all this cash out they of were saying they were like fuck the truck we got is not big enough we could have left with like 300 million well, right sure <laughs> fucking right the truck wasn't big enough yeah <laughs> We're going to need a bigger truck. <laughs> exactly. But they were like, you know what? 57 is good. <laughs> right. I think I'll settle. We won't come back. Yeah. And so... We won't come back. Yeah. And so they, you know, they make the escape. And for a while, like, there's a minute where it's like, what happened? But then, you know, somebody gets picked up and in a van that has, like, $20 million. Ugh. You know, people start getting picked up here and there. But not Lee Murray. And Lee Murray, they get a little, like, when he kind of figures out, like, oh, this isn't going well, he moves to Morocco. Because mm. oh, if yeah. you have a Moroccan father, you're automatically a Moroccan national. Wow. And if you're a Moroccan national, they don't have, like, um... Extradition policy. They don't have extradition with the with uh, the UK. UK. Yeah. And so I'm guessing he kept some of the money because... He buys like a one point five million dollar mansion in Morocco. Oh, that's got to be gigantic. Yeah, and you know, like that money stretches a lot further in Morocco. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's good, right? Like he's living Hell a good yeah. life. Get his dad chained up in a <laughs> basement. No, he's, he's got a whole bunch of dads now. Like he just <laughs> he's got a dad for every day of the week. To <laughs> he's got a dad dungeon down there. <laughs> All he wanted. Just beating on dads. Just a bunch of dads. <laughs> so, yeah. Dad house, Morocco. This um, sucks. <laughs> Fuck you. And like the UK, like Kent police is like trying to negotiate with Moroccan police, but they're like, no, there's no, there's no extradition. Yeah, you don't want to fucking go down there, Ugh. that big ass house, and get that motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. But they do arrest them. They do. They, they do. They finally do arrest the Moroccan police. Thing? Yeah, because he, he keeps fucking around there. Oh, of course. Like he's, they, they catch him. Yeah, they catch him with drugs and Jesus they pick him up. Christ. And they actually do arrest him and charge him. They really did throw the book at him for that <laughs> cocaine thing. Eight months, bro. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Eight months for what? Cocaine and oh, marijuana <laughs> possession. Nice. But then they kind of. Uh, even Morocco, like, they'll, they'll let you do it. They'll let you fuck kids, make hash, and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, but Morocco's don't do drugs, like notorious, bro. like, laissez faire. But just Is don't that do right drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> William Burroughs went there and had a couple of boyfriends. I mean, little boyfriends. Morocco, for real. Yeah. That's Inception, that's where he goes to fuck off in that's people's brains. That's very interesting. Yeah, Morocco's kind of like, do whatever you want. In fact, it, it later it came out that it was actually kind of like a joint operation uh-huh. where they were like, you know what? <laughs> Help us arrest them, but we're not giving them to you. But we'll pick them up. Sure. And then they're like, we'll initially say it's these charges, but then later we'll do. Right. Yeah. And so, and even like they were like, we have to have specialists here because these guys are very dangerous and they're like martial arts specialists. So we can't just have like your local beat cops. You right. Know? Uh, so they pick them up. 
we recommend guns. They start they start doing this sort of <laughs> they start like trying to figure out a trade with the U, uh, with the UK uh-huh. where they were like, well, I'll tell you what, we'll give you guys Lee Murray, but you guys got to give us this dude that was suspected for like some sort of uh-huh. terrorist bombing. Uh-huh. In the meantime, Lee Murray is in Moroccan prison mm-hmm. and eventually he gets sentenced to 10 years for the robbery. For the robbery in London. I, that's that that's a weird thing to me, and I like I made sure because uh-huh. it sounds like I made I read everywhere I could because it sounds odd, but that's exactly what happened. Wow. They he was tried said, without being there. They, no, they he got tried in Morocco for the shit he did in England. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a bunch of fun because st- there's interviews I read. Like one interview is from the Moroccan jail, where like even the interviewers like we talked to him on a cell phone. We don't know how he got a cell phone. <laughs> You're not supposed to have cell phones there. Uh, He's got one. He got in trouble for trying to escape prison because yeah. he kept getting sent biscuits, but like British biscuits, I'm guessing, with files in them. Yeah. Hell yeah. And he was also like losing a shitload of weight and starving himself so he could fit through bars better. Yeah, he was cutting weight. Exactly. Uh, but then somebody like, fit through bars. Somebody, like went in because they didn't like him. Because he, would, you know, he had money in Moroccan prison, so he could buy stuff. So right. people try to rob him. He had like they said he had like an internet connection and shit. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, and then he, you know, and and the whole time, by the way, in the interview, he's already like he's forty now. He was like pretty far along, but he's like, no, there's a couple guys here that were like Muay Thai fighters. We train. Like I'm coming out. I'm coming after Silva. <laughs> oh, no, no shit. way! He's like, you know, he got me, but like I'm. Don't think this is the last you've seen him. Yeah, I'm training in prison. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's all so weird with those interviews because he's like trying to portray himself as a nicer dude than he is, but like you could tell sometimes when it's just like bullshit. Yeah, and eye twitches. Yeah, yeah like we're like, well, no, it's all over, it's over the phone. Mm. You know, like, he was like, yeah, they uh, the reason they uh, they extended my sentence is because you know I got in they were trying to steal my stuff because you know they were jealous that I have all this money it's like no they found the files right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah they're jealous of all my files yeah exactly <laughs> so he got sentenced what year ish uh, 2010 so he's getting out in a few years no uh oh no he's not because plot thickens right it got extended to 25 years ugh because of him fucking around in prison yeah I guess so I don't because yeah. that's the thing I don't get. I, it's definitely have to do with like that escape attempt. Yeah, or probably fucking fighting and mm-hmm. doing drugs and having goddamn Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure the fighting in you Moroccan. Can't have Wi-Fi, but we don't like him. Why? Yeah, I'm sure wife. the Moroccan How? Moroccan prisons got a few fights. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I mean, generally, it just sounds like everywhere he goes, he's trouble and he's gonna get. That's it. the thing, though. He gets sentenced to ten years in June, 2010. By November, it's extended to 25 years, God. and that's what he's serving right now. Yeah, he's serving 25 years, and he's uh, in good spirits. You think his dad shows up like, "Yeah, who's a bitch now?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to hit me. Now. I told you yeah. to respect me. You yeah, see what happens? Fit fist with all those bars, boy. But that's the thing is that like you you go you go to some place like Morocco where you're like, I can spend my money, I can not get extra, I can be free. It's like, yeah, but if you fuck up there, mm-hmm. they don't need any get like. Th- there's not going to be a public. You're in- going to want to get extra. There's not going to be a public inquiry into why your fucking sentence got extended by 15 years. People are just like, that's the fucking way it is. Sorry. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it, it was he was. It's also like he went there, but then he went there and was like. 
Yeah. I'm a fucking gangster. You right. Can get, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lay low. Yeah. Lesson, lesson for the episode, gang, is if you ever rob a money yeah. repo. Yes, if you if you commit the biggest heist in history, <sighs> lay low. <Yeah. laughs> Rent an apartment. Don't buy a house. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also... Nice house. Get a yeah. nice, you know. <laughs> if, I mean, if you get a fucking palace, at least shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, why do you have drugs with you out of the palace? Like, do them all in the palace. That's like what a palace adult. is for. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, bring the drugs to you. Mm-hmm. Scarface. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's fucking, that's that's wild times. So now he's just rotting away. Or yeah. trying doing push-ups or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he'll write a basically. fucking book like Jordan Belfort. Oh no, they're making a they're making a movie about it. Oh hell yeah, yeah hell yeah. Who's in it? Who's doing it? What's well, up? I mean, Guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Duh. I, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, oh, we should. Don't make a fucking King Arthur movies. Give me a crazy dude from England who talked like this and he beats people up, especially his father. Yeah, <laughs> no, give me just, that. Just do another Sherlock Holmes. Duh. Yeah, fucking yeah. It's. Those British gangsters, man. I mean, the the British gangster is a fascinating thing in itself, and more so than that to me is the British heist guys. A bunch of these mm-hmm. British heist guys are like, when you see the operation, you're like, oh, you should be an engineer. Mm-hmm. But they're not, and they're criminals. Like, some of the crazy extensive things where, like, they have a whole thing rigged up where it's like, oh, we're just going to pull out the whole front wall in broad daylight of the fucking jewelry store and then rob everything and, like... You're like, holy shit, you worked it all out. Yeah. All the force you were going to need to rip out the front wall of the jewelry store in broad daylight and then have motorcycle. Like, yeah. Just a very involved, like, very deliberate, brilliant plan. There was a great fucking heist planned on the, uh, the fucking uh, Millennium Dome in London. Oh, really? But they got snitched out. Mm. But it involved motorboats and bulldozers. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, a huge heist to steal, like, the world's biggest diamond, which was, they had a snitch the whole uh. time. So once they all got in there, there was just, like, the security guard was like, check it out, I got a gun, whoops. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, like really? Oh, the one thing we took into account, the Newtons that we would need to remove the door. Right. And we got the parachutes timed, the, the phases of the moon, but we didn't take into account that they might have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, as that happens, you just see ten people parachute down. You're like, ah, just go back, go back. Right. Well, I mean, you can imagine all of all of the defense, you know, yeah. involved with what what they know is coming, like a twenty person operation to do it. <clears throat> Huge heist yeah. on the Thames fucking river and like all that shit. And uh, yeah, they all got caught. But I mean, there's a, a, a like a vast history of British heists that are just mm-hmm. breathtaking. Yeah. I mean, amazing. I'd love to do some more of those. It, I mean, like, I don't know. There's there's definitely for this show, I've definitely thought of a bunch of British heist guys that are just so fascinating. Heists are the best. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... But they really kill it there. The British guys specifically mm-hmm. are... Well, they're fancy. They're just... Plus, I mean, there's no guns to... There's win. no guns to fuck it up, you know, every, you know... But it's like it's like that, that Catch Me If You Can thing where it's like, you know, if you applied any of these skills to a normal thing, like, you'd be top of the world, but also it's so cool you applied it to crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's the best. And then, you know, you make your way out and you end up advising... Right. ...the people you were evading. Yeah. So, at the end of the day... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think Lee Murray's going to be doing that when he gets out. <laughs> no. No. No, but also, he's got to have something going on to pull off the biggest heist of all time. Oh, they were saying uh, on some news clips, they were saying like it was military precision the yeah. way they performed it. Like it wasn't a 
just go put the money in the bag. Like there was definite, definite, like extensive planning going on. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to do a heist? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's plan let's plan it all it. right now and then let the episode go. Yeah. And then we'll do it. And we'll release it after the fact yeah. when we're in Morocco. Yeah. It up. Yeah. Chopping it up. Chopping it up. Fucking tear it up. You know, whatever. Chew with Lee Murray. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a pretty wild time. It's a hell of a profile. I wonder if yeah. he's going to get out. I mean, after, what is it? So he's got, he got convicted in 2010. So 2035. Uh, I think it'll be before. I think he got arrested before that. So I think it's like 2032 or something. Right. Well, I'm sure something he'll like behave that. well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. Out on good behavior. Well, I mean, that's yeah. the thing, too, is like, you know, like, I think a lot of times they're like, well, we don't think you've been in here long enough that you're broken. <laughs> so we're just gonna hang on to you because mm-hmm. you're too fucking wild a guy. There's a twinkle yeah. in your eyes. I, I don't mean, like. a guy, a, a Lee Murray from Shooters Hill is gonna be like the bot- bottom bot- boys. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, and every time you let him out, he seems to double down. He only gains strength when <laughs> yeah. you let him out. Yeah, it's like fucking Chopper or fucking you know Bronson. Yeah. Any of those guys, it's just like. Dude, you're too fucking wild. Dude, you got Bronson's it. the best. You just got to stay in here and write a book, okay? Yeah. He's like, all right. <laughs> I'm going to work out or get skinny. I don't know which, <laughs> but I'll be doing something. Here's some paint. Go do something creative. <laughs> just paintings of him beating his dad. Red, thank you for being on the program, buddy. Yeah, man. This is a great story. Very, very, uh, that was a very, very cool story. We'll put some, like, the clips are available online pretty easily. We can get some screenshots and some video clips to put on the Instagram. Uh, For sure. Yeah, the, the interview is just text like mm-hmm. it's transcribed yeah uh there's clips of the fights and of like a bunch of stuff there's news articles that mm-hmm. kind of thing it's all okay. over the internet well we will get it up yeah i think we're out of time we are out of time hey uh if you're looking for nice headphones go to studiosweden.com enter the promo code profiles 15 get 15 percent off we'll get a kickback and um we'll, we'll listen to uh fucking the try it out guy yeah matt say good night my friend good night folks rad thank you for being here Thanks for having me. Aaron, I love you very much. I love you. Good night, folks. Good night. Take care.